Hey there, we're the Westlot Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowspo. Uh, guys, uh, right off the top, just want to mention real quick before we uh, get into this week's episode, we have a full uh, Westlot Pirates meetup. All three of us are going to be at the Northwestern uh, women's basketball game on Thursday night, uh, senior night, uh, the last game at Welsh Ryan Arena for, for Veronica Burton and the rest of the seniors. We're all going to be there, all three of us, because you're going to be in from Cincinnati. Um, I'm going to be in from the south side. John, you're coming in from the suburbs. Um, but yeah, we're all going to be there. If you're, if you want to come join us, uh, hit us up on Twitter at Westlaw Pirates. Um, we've got it. We've put together a group and it's going to be a, a whole lot of fun. And, uh, you know, if nothing else to just, you know, show our appreciation for the women's team who's had, you know, especially Veronica Burton, who's going to get drafted like fairly high, possibly even first round in the WNBA draft next year. Yeah, I, I, I can't wait to be there. Uh, we did this roughly two years ago. We watched Lindsey Pulliam put up uh, Kobe Bryant numbers against um, Michigan for the win. Uh, couldn't be more excited to come back into town and um, see, you know, Veronica Burton's presumably last home game. I mean, there's there's you know a possibility that's not that's not necessarily the case, but. Um, yeah, it's going to be awesome. Join us. Uh, it'll be fun. We'll probably be hanging out somewhere after the game as well. So, uh, yeah, shoot us a text. Shoot us a note. Um, obviously, you know, bring your Vax card because uh, I think Evanston rules are still in place. Um, but, uh, yeah, should be awesome. This is an interesting situation, too, because we wanted to put this gathering together, had the ability to do it with Scuzz being in town and everything. But it's kind of a, a this and that situation where, A, if there are any of you who are considering coming out, come out and link up with us. We think it's great. The other piece of it is there are a ton of you who are already planning to go to this game because it's a huge game. Because, again, as, as you guys said, that you're potentially, you know, depending on tourney schedules, etc., waving goodbye to, um, you know, amongst other deserving seniors, one of the greatest Northwestern athletes ever. So I, we know a ton of you are going to be there if you were already planning to go. Seek us out. Find us while you're there. I'm sure we'll all be, you know, we'll be easy to spot. And we would love to meet up with you as many as possible. So, you know, if, if like you guys said, if you're looking to come, um, you want to link up with us, let us know ahead of time. Um, otherwise, find us at the game because it's it's going to be a great environment. Uh, we got a lot to talk about tonight. Um, women's basketball, softball, lacrosse, all, you know, riding really high. Obviously, there is men's hoops to talk about. Um, we'll be hitting that up. Uh, at the end of the episode, uh, before we dive into what was just an unbelievable weekend of softball, great, uh, down great in weekend, yeah, um, such a good weekend. We would be remiss if we didn't congratulate uh, Ben Skoranek and Ernest Brown uh, for their Super Bowl championship uh, with the Rams. Um, that was a week ago, as we were recording tonight on uh, on Sunday. Um, you know, because I know it. It's, it's tough to be on the losing end of a Super Bowl. Um, believe me, I've been there. But uh, you know, for the for the Northwestern players, you know, for the Rams, it's it's awesome. Absolutely. Hats hats off to those dudes. Um, Skronik was involved in the game um, for you know on a couple of, a couple of plays that didn't go his way and a couple of plays that that did. Um, 
but yeah, it's it's fantastic to add a couple more uh, Northwestern champions to the uh, to the NFL ledger there, and um, couldn't be happier for those guys. You know, obviously a bum for Cincinnati. I'm not going to get into the the weeds on that right now. We can save that for another uh, another podcast. Maybe maybe over a drink after the uh, the women's game on, the, on Thursday night. We can uh, we can have we can hash out the Bengals and and if if the Bengals were screwed or not in the uh, waning minutes of that game. <laughs> I was going to say. I mean, there was there are things to talk about relative to the game. There are things that we're going to talk about. You know. Relative to Ben Skronik, things that happened during this game. If you guys are following on Twitter, you're familiar with some of that. But honestly, that was all discussion for a week ago. This weekend was so flippin' awesome. And yes. that's all I want to talk about now. Like, this was just a great weekend. Yeah, I just wanted to get that on off the top before we really dive in. I mean, absolutely. okay, so the SPC Elite Invitational in Clearwater, Florida, uh, Northwestern, went down... Is it, still, is it still there, or after Northwestern burned it to the ground, is it no longer <laughs> there anymore? Uh, just an unbelievable performance uh, by the Cats, knocking off number three UCLA, knocking off number 15 Clemson, shutting out number 15 Clemson, and uh, just this morning, playing in number seven Oklahoma State, just so tough. Yeah, let, got him a, for, let him for six innings. Six innings, got away uh, on just two pitches that – you know, put over the fence and uh, Oklahoma State held on for the win four to three. But what an unbelievable weekend. I mean, just Friday's game or fr- the second Friday game, the Friday at noon against number three, UCLA walk off home run in extra innings in the eighth inning. Oh, my goodness. Maeve Nelson. Oh, goes yard. Gets the heroes welcome at home plate. Uh, Daniel Williams pitched an eight inning complete game in that game only gave up three to UCLA who is you know a titan of college softball uh that I, team I, I mean she pitched the weekend yeah four, four yeah. games yeah did she uh, started against Texas Tech too right she did it's I mean she she carried the water the entire weekend and uh, no no it, she came she came in for the save oh she came in Texas for the Tech. save that's Warren right. Dvorak the uh, started Sydney that's Supley right. pitched three Correct. and a third and uh, Williams came in for the save. Correct. Yeah. And then it was Williams' time from then on out for the rest of the weekend. And it was, I mean, it was crazy because at the end of the weekend, um, in the waning moments of that Oklahoma State game, you're, you know, you could see just barely some cracks because of the load she shouldered all weekend. Um, and it, at once... It was a titanic weekend performance from Danielle Williams. And yet, to say that is almost to risk misleading you because there has been this narrative, not really completely earned, because it only applies, as we've said in previous pods, to the times Northwestern has played the very best teams in the country. Like like in the College World Series. Exactly, like in the College World Series, where... Northwestern's had hitting trouble against some of the very best teams in the country. Not this weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Lord have mercy. Um, It was, I mean, the bottom line, the short of it, right, is that the Cats went down to Clearwater and announced that they're going to be one of the best teams in the country this year. And, I mean, you can go through them, like you said, Maeve Nelson with one of the biggest Northwestern softball hits ever. And, I mean, again... I'm not trying to jump in and be like, that's the greatest thing, Northwestern softball. No, that's stupid. They've been to the College World Series, as we were saying. But you're talking about a walk-off home run 
in the eighth inning to beat the number three team in the country. And yet you have all these other performances. Skylar Schellmeyer has been insane. Jordan Rudd has been unbelievable, right? Um, you've got players like, I mean, like even like an Angela Zedek, not tearing the cover off the ball this year, but massive hits in this series. And and the other piece of it, right? No, go ahead. Well, go ahead. Just, let's just go high level real quick. So, so right. Because we, we're, we're kind of hitting all this stuff. Um, sure. And, and if you weren't paying attention this weekend, the Cats opened on Friday. They beat Texas Tech 9-6. to Then the aforementioned UCLA game was on Friday afternoon. Um, 6-4 to was the final of that game. They smoked Clemson 7 nothing on Saturday morning and then took, um, what, a th- like a 3 nothing lead? 3 nothing uh, lead in the first against Oklahoma State. Against and, Oklahoma State. Uh, they and, took and, a 3-2 lead into the into the sixth. Into the yeah, sixth, into, the, yeah. Into, into the sixth inning. And that's against, like, Oklahoma State's starting pitcher is, you know, All-American everything. Um, so, like, the, like, John's point about, like, making a statement, not just the walk-off against UCLA, smoking Clemson. Absolutely right. smoking Clemson seven to nothing. Number fifteen ranked Clemson seven to nothing. Um, the the morning after beating UCLA, it, it just it was it was. I mean, this was a statement weekend from Northwestern softball. Yeah, it was unbelievable. And you know the other piece of it too. You talked specifically about Clemson. These games were all on TV. Now, granted, that was ESPN Plus for the majority of them, but the Clemson game was on the ACC network too. So, no doubt a lot of clubs and fans turned in and watched their team get spanked. Uh, um, the, but because of that, and again, I, we know that a lot of you don't have ESPN+, Plus, but I think we all do. And I watched the end of the UCLA game and then all of the Clemson and Oklahoma State games. And just, just a tip out there: if you have Disney Plus, you probably you have, have ESPN, ESPN Plus. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Exactly. So if, if you, you don't, have, you're doing. If you're it like, wrong. if you're not sure, maybe check. And and this and I think so. One of the pieces of it too is it's if you the fact that a lot of these games are on TV and probably this isn't going to be the end of that. I mean, we'll have to check, but the Cats play a monster tournament this coming weekend too probably going to be on TV. And if you watch even one game with this team, you fall for this team so hard. All of the names of all of the players, you'll internalize it all immediately. You'll know who they are. You'll see how much they love playing with each other. I mean, we posted a bunch of the gifts, but just watch the scenes at the end of that UCLA game. I mean, if that doesn't get your Northwestern blood pumping, I don't know what will. Um, and it's just such a fantastic team. And it's funny, I wanted to bring something else up too, which was, it's, it's, it's about Northwestern softball, but it's also about Northwestern in general. And I think, you know, we're going to get to men's hoops eventually, but, um, Trey Demps, who, this is funny, like Trey Demps has been, he suddenly become a voice in like the Northwestern Twitter sphere to the point that I'm worried he's going to take a job at the University of Texas and like leave us now at this point. But he's, <laughs> <laughs> he's slid into that role, right? But one of the things he recently brought up was the whole um, stadium thing, right? And like playing at home before a crowd that has at least as many home fans, right? And um, if you're wondering why I'm bringing that up right now, that of course is its whole other problem. And that's a whole other thing. And that's a, a problem that's like a unique Northwestern problem. 
And part of that is, you know, there are other factors, but part of it is this, this small, tight environment that Northwestern has, right? And that if, if all the stars aren't aligned, just based on the numbers and based on the insular Northwestern community, there's that always that potential, right, for a massive fan base to come in and just kind of take over the numbers, right? But there's a flip side to that. And the flip side to that is that there are these times when Northwestern achieves a level of family that I don't think any other school achieves. And I just, I think about softball and the reaction of the softball community, of the the Northwestern community online post that UCLA game, right? Where you have all of the people who fill roles like we do, right? It's like whether it's us and our podcast or it could be Inside NU or Daily, right? Or like, and everyone is flipping out in that sphere. And these are all people who all know each other, right? Like whether it's close or not, like we know these guys, these are Twitter friends of us, like everyone's going back and forth, right? And then there's this really tight-knit group of Northwestern fans and we know them too and they're losing their mind over this. And then the players are there too. The players are a presence in that group and the players' parents are a presence in that group. And like everyone is celebrating in this intimate way online together. And it's just like such a special thing that takes it to this whole other level where it's like other schools don't have that. And it's like, you know, all the talk, you know, the Fitzism, you know, the Fitzisms, et cetera, about the family. It is a family. And there are times like that when you just really feel it. So, I mean, I'm just, I know it sounds like I'm just like, you know, spouting poetic here, but like weekends like this give you the feels. Like but, this but John, a John, great um, weekend. That we, that we've known that to be a fact for, for years. I mean, tailgating next to them for how many years we, like we got, we got to know the players, we got to know the coaches and like, we've seen that this is, this is not new and it's really, really cool that that kind of culture continues uh you know throughout the 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 drohan's race and we heck we just saw assistant coach drohan like this fall like at a football game and chatted with her for a while right and we're like talking about right the old days when we were in the old spot right and we were always next to the softball team exactly like you're saying it's just it's a special thing and when you have things like this come off where everybody's watching the team on television and everybody's celebrating and you know everyone in the sphere in some way or another. Like, other schools don't have that. So, again, it's like, celebrate this. But, I mean, yeah. the Finally, they they ran out of steam at the very end. I, I should add, too. Three of those runs were on... Three of the Oklahoma State runs were on earned solo shots. Credit where credit is due. The fourth came from a bases loaded situation precipitated by a phantom hit batter. Okay, I'm just going to say by a, a batter who may or may not charitably have actually been hit to load the bases. Um, and, and the subsequent play precipitated what ended up being the winning run in the game. But regardless, what a weekend for, well, for Northwestern softball. When you alluded to it, John, next weekend the Cats play in the Mary Nutter Classic out in Palm Desert, California. You've got Oregon, Washington, CSU Fullerton, Texas Tech is out there again, uh, San Diego State. These these are the teams on the the schedule at at, at, at present. I assume that that's gonna that's gonna stay the case. They're not gonna you know add a bunch of games like they did this weekend, but um, it'll be very interesting to see. Like so, a can the Cats continue um, to to perform at this level? I think. 
you know, we in, when we previewed this team last week, we kind of highlighted, or a week and a half ago, I guess, we highlighted two things. One is just, you know, secondary pitching. Where is it going to be coming from? I think, you know, this was a Daniel Williams weekend. Um, you right. didn't see we, much. We, like, they cannot rely on Williams to carry them the entire weekend again. Like it, it, It's unclear who is the number two after Daniel Williams. Um, I think uh, Lauren, Lauren Dvorak has, has thrown the most innings. But you know, had, didn't pitch at since the since the first two innings of the Texas Tech game. Uh, you've got you know Suple, uh, who's who, who pitched in that Texas Tech game as well. Uh, Lauren Boyd, who hasn't pitched since the twelfth of February, didn't didn't pitch at all this past weekend. So I like I would expect to see those players in the mix more in the in the upcoming weekends as we build toward Big Ten season to see who can be the number two behind Williams, who can be counted on in a in a in a in a pinch moment when, when Williams needs, uh, needs that rest. Um, but then the other piece and John, you already talked about this. Like we, we were asking about the bats and, and, you know, will, will the hitting come? And right now um, the team's hitting the cover off the ball and that's fantastic. So um, it'll be, it'll be really fun to see if they can maintain this momentum next weekend. And then what we can see, you know, kind of emerging from the shape of the team. Right. And, and I think the other piece of it too is, this is not some sort of situation where Northwestern has to go out and win all of these games. It's like, you. this is the way it works. Like, this is what the best teams in the country do at this time of the year. They go out and trade haymakers with each other, which Northwestern is absolutely doing. It's funny, the announcers at one point mentioned the fact that it's notable that Northwestern plays Washington this come week, coming weekend because the St. Pete Clearwater Classic was so stacked that Washington was one of the only top teams not at that tournament. So it's like to go to a tournament like that and absolutely dominate, um, just it's it's fired up. And again, like, are the Cats going to go and sweep five games at the Mary Nutter? I, well, I'm not going to say no, but, you know, <laughs> it's, not an, it's not an expectation, right? The expectation is this team's absolutely loaded for bear looking at this schedule and being like, we are beating a bunch of these teams. Who's it going to be? Washington, is it going to be you? Because we beat UCLA. Um, and it's just, it's so cool. So again, here's hoping that these games are on ESPN and that we can all watch as many as possible. Turning our attention to lacrosse, um, you know, they've gotten off to a, a good start as well. Uh, opened the season with a loss at number one Boston College. Um, you know, so starting the season off on the road against the number one team in the country. Um, you know, lost at uh, 18-9. Then came home and uh, knocked off Marquette 24-13 on Valentine's Day. And then uh, this afternoon beat Arizona State 16-8. to um, A game that was a little bit closer than the final score indicated. I mean, the catch really blew it open in the fourth quarter. Uh, it was fairly tight for most of the way, but, um, you know, getting off to a, a nice, solid start. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's weird because you don't want to say measured expectations because this is at once the number five team in the country. It is also a team that has lost maybe the best player in the country. And that's always that thing to like keep that perspective, right? Where it's like, you can't sell short how flipping good Izzy Skane is. And this is a team that is an awesome team that at the same time is finding its way a little bit. And again, you saw that, you know, with Boston College to start the year and you saw it in the start of this Arizona State game where, you know, it was tied 
yeah, after one quarter and fairly close at the half. And then they just blew ASU's doors off in the second half. And again, it's like Brennan Dyer, Brennan Dwyer, Hannah Johnson, nine goals, right? So is the talent there? Of course the talent's there. This team is stacked. But they are losing a player who is as valuable as any lacrosse player in the country. And they're having to kind of fill that role, right? And it's going to be filled. um, It's going to be a group effort to fill that part in. And there's going to be a little feeling it out, especially with, you know, a a schedule that, as we've said before, is so absolutely jam-packed the entire way. But the bottom line is they, they turned it on late when it counted in this one and got the style points when they needed them. Well, it's interesting when you when you dig into what has been really successful for this team because I think our my hypothesis going in is that um, you know the strength that they had in the in the in the draw circle, bringing back uh, players like Brendan Dwyer, the strength that they built on defense last year, those were the things that were going to help carry them early on with with Izzy Skane out. But when you look at the stats lined up against their opponents thus far, like. They're trailing in draw controls. The clear percentage has not been as good as it was last year. Um, they're they're even on uh, caused turnovers, um, ground balls. That like their free position shots are really no better than than their opponents. What what has been significantly better is uh, the shot percentage and the shots on goal. And that's like so like it is the offense that's been carrying them early on, um, despite that Boston College loss. So. Just an interesting thing to watch as we go forward. I think it's hard. It's like Marquette's a pretty decent team. I'm not sure about Arizona State. So I like it's it's a little hard to assess. You know, once once we get some of the uh, the big dogs in uh, in the coming weeks here, as as I, yeah. I think we noted last week. Oh, like, I was going to say the, it's not top. It's not gonna, like, yeah, it's not going to take long. <laughs> yeah, we play like all the top uh, five or six teams in the country. So. Um, so that'll, you know, that those are the barometers, though, that I'm going to be really paying attention to, to, to try and sense, like, how this team is adapting um, without Izzy Skane and, and what that portends for year end. Yeah, so we'll definitely be keeping our eye on uh, lacrosse as we get into, as, as we keep saying, just a rough, rough schedule. Uh, you know, coming up, we've got a trip to Notre Dame um, and then at home against Syracuse at North Carolina, uh, home against Stony Brook, and then uh, Ohio State, and now we're talking into the middle of March. So, yeah, some some big, big games coming up. Um, and as we turn our attention to women's basketball, um, again, just an amazing weekend for Northwestern. Uh, you know, Cats going down to Champaign and just putting the hurt on Illinois. Well, we should we should bake in too. Like we haven't talked about. I was this about team to say in a week and a half. So like, yeah, that, and no, it's and it's true. it's been a week and a half because yeah. they had this you know this really tight game with Indiana. That I mean, it ended up it ended in like an eleven point you know loss uh, to the Hoosiers, but the Cats were just trading blows with them. Um, and that was the end of a seven and a half quarter stretch. Yeah, until about like pure magic. Halfway through the second second half, and then they had you know the Michigan game, taking out Michigan in double OT, um, the the previous Sunday, uh, which was you know the first time they've upset a, I think a top five team in what a decade. Um, Veronica Burton was just electric in that game. Uh, you had Courtney Shaw setting a career high 
um, scoring 16 points in that game against Michigan. She had she beat that uh, earlier today against Illinois, uh, scoring 20. So um, I'll I'll be like if that's the secondary scoring that we've been waiting to 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 come forth um, for this team, it's it's timely and wonderful. And Shaw's a a, a great foil for um, for Burton because of how well they work on the pick and roll and uh, that inside outside game. So I just like. Really, really exciting stretch here that the Cats have played and, and survived, you know, what we thought was, you know, these two, not certain, but, like, likely losses. Um, I I just want to say, so Veronica Burton played 35 minutes of the Illinois game, uh, and I just want to just step up right now and criticize her for those lazy five minutes she spent <laughs> on the bench. You couldn't, uh, you, you couldn't just... You're, you know, you played every second of the Michigan game, including two overtimes, and then every second of the Indiana game, and then you just had to take that five-minute nap on the sidelines no, for this Illinois game. No, 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 game. no, no, no. I mean, there's blood in the water. It's freaking Illinois. Let the rest of the team get some. It's funny, though, to talking about, you know, wanting to get some against Illinois when you're thinking about it. It's funny thinking about, the softball team, right, and, and we just talked in some of the veteran presence headlined by Danielle Williams, of course, that, you know, for a lot of them, it's their final rodeo, and we're just watching the start of that rodeo right now, right? Well, then we have basketball, and we have this veteran group that we're so familiar with, right? Um, and we're watching them get close to the end of their journey. And I think for, for these girls, and it's funny, you look at Burton, Satterwhite, and Shaw, and the numbers that they put up in this game, and them thinking that's their final trip down to Urbana-Champaign, right? This is their final dance with Illinois. They wanted it to count. They 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 smelled that blood in the water, uh, to your point, Scuzz, um, and they wanted to make it count. And it's so in a way, it's it's poignant and yet sweet at the same time because we pasted Illinois, but it certainly um, makes us that more mindful of of this game that we're all going to be at this coming week, but it was just a, a really impressive effort. And, and, you know, Veronica Burton putting up a, a, a stat line that really only Veronica Burton can put up. Uh, I'll just, I'll just hit briefly here on Satterwhite and Hartman who, you know, John, you mentioned them. They hit double figures tonight, 14 for Satterwhite, 10 for Hartman. Satterwhite was, was really good against Indiana too. I think he had a career higher that night against the Hoosiers. Um, but you know we've we've been talking about it ad nauseum. The secondary scoring piece is the piece that Northwestern needs to compete in these games and to and to take the pressure off Burton to give her the space you know to 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 face you know Mandy and um, use her little hesitation and drive to the hoop move right. Um, I'll also note that that Indiana game was um, ridiculous when you looked at the free throw the free throw differential. So um, just you know. Park that in the back of your minds as we approach. Indeed, uh, there were there were there were comments relative to officiating in the Twitter sphere on that oh, one. God, um, but now you know uh, we've been talking about ad nauseum. Purdue this Thursday, we will all be there. Uh, last home game, and then the Cats play at Nebraska on Sunday, and they're gonna be in great shape for for the postseason, right? Um, I mean, it's if you've, you're looking at a team ranked right above the Cats in the standings and a team ranked right below the Cats in the standings right now. And if, if Northwestern can ball out and get a sweep, I mean, you're talking about a team that's 17-10 and 10 and 9-7 and 7 in conference. Like, that team's playing in a tournament, probably the NIT, but yeah. 
Yeah, and that's and that's uh, awesome. But and like you, you know, you, you make a little noise in the Big Ten tournament, and you know, yep, and yeah, and yeah, run, end up sure. end up twenty and twelve. Like who knows what might happen? Exactly. I mean, it's all possible. And and again, we've mentioned this before, but um, just thinking about, I believe it was her freshman year, right? The NIT run that Northwestern went on, that where that was doubled as a coming out party for Veronica Burton. And again, I'm not trying to give short shrift to the player she was going into that tournament. I'm just saying she came out of that tournament as a world beater and has been that way ever since. And it's like tourney basketball is a massive opportunity and Northwestern has a lot of young guns, you know, Jillian Brown, et cetera. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of meaningful basketball for the Cats yet this season. And yet at the same time, um, last regular season home game coming up. So, yeah, come, come out, come out, come out and sit with us or... If you're already going, find us because you know we're super stoked. Well, I, I guess uh, you know we do have to talk about men's basketball. Um, you know, I just, just want to been... say, I just want to say, it didn't feel at all like we dodged it up until this point. We had better things to talk about. Oh, one hundred percent, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um. You know, so you're going down to Illinois, getting beaten pretty bad. You know, ho- hosting Purdue. You know, it was a Ended up being a, a close game. Uh, Purdue did pull away late, but, uh, you know, Cats at least made it interesting. But then the absolute stinker they put up, you know, in the Twin Cities, losing to Minnesota 77-60. to 60. I mean, what are we doing here, guys? I mean, n- none of the things have changed. I mean, with the Illinois game, there was that one stretch that, of course, we didn't get to talk about because – again because of the the break in the pod schedule but the the in there was this 20 minute stretch of northwestern sports wherein the women sealed their double overtime win against michigan and the men went on this crazy run because i think they'd been down by what like 17 or something like that and they reeled it all the way back and got within one and that's the best basketball we've seen from the men in a little while now, right? Because that that was the last time things were close. Um, I think they were they were down they were down eighteen with um with about with what four like fourteen minutes into the second half, and then yes, reeled it all the way back into to make it a, like a one point game, and then Illinois uh, managed to pull away from there. Right, and and as as impressive as that was. It was still an illustration of the total limitations this team has because they did it all with defense. Defense, transition basketball, etc. Because the bottom line is, in a walk-up situation, Northwestern just doesn't have a reliable way to get a bucket. They just wow. don't. Well, and you, you like, the, like whether you ascribe to Nick Medline's like lineup theory or just poor poor offensive design or like just not having you know enough players that can reliably create um their own shot or or you know the fact that our some of our best players at that are are guys that want to dish and distribute like we went on a three minute scoring drought in the first you know five ten minutes of the game that that put northwestern in a in a double digit hole and then coming out of halftime we went for another five minutes without scoring a single point, and those those are the things that have killed Northwestern all year long. Like 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 everybody loves to talk about the close the closeness at the end of these games, and like oh it was so close, and Northwestern was so close, and they were so gritty, and they never quit. And yes, that is all true. 
but it's these stretches earlier in the game that set up Northwestern's like last gasp efforts where they're desperate and they're exhausted because they've had to, you know, reel themselves back into a game. And this has been the story for seven years. Yeah. And yeah, at and, least. And you talk about it earlier in the games, but I mean, it's late in the games too, right? Because there's that feeling that it's like, if Brian James doesn't have a perfect play drawn up to create some sort of opportunity or something, this team doesn't have the DNA to find buckets when they count. And it's, and, and, you know, we've gone down this road so far about it being a coaching problem and it is a coaching problem. And um, I think this, the straw is kind of, you know, being breaking the camel's back at this point in terms of the the drum beats, you know, becoming pretty uniform within Northwestern Nation that it's time for Chris Collins to go. Now, where everyone's split is people whether people believe it will or will not will not happen. And I think that it even includes our pod because I, you know, I shade that it will. I think you guys shade that it won't. Yeah, and I think I, yeah, I, I'll be stunned. And, and I, I, you, I, I can't see it happening. I just can't. And, 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 you know, I think if you go out, I'd say people probably shade too. I think the people think the thing people are coalescing around the most is the buyout, right? And I think they're, you know, we don't really know. I mean, Northwestern being Northwestern, I think we have, a you know, an idea of what the buyout is, that it's substantial, that it may be double figure millions, right? And, um, Eleven is the number that's been right. Tossed around. I've heard eleven around, but I haven't right. seen that confirmed. And again, anywhere. Northwestern. And again, it's Northwestern's Northwestern. Like this is not a state school. Like none of us, you know, we may not know all the ins and outs or what the machinations are, or how this can be resolved. One thing I would say, though, yeah, this this isn't like with uh, with Lovey Smith or 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 Kirk Ferentz, where the where the school literally can't afford it because the state is bankrupt. Exactly. And and I would so I would say this. I would say. Um, uh, Northwestern has a lot of money. <laughs> That's the first part of it. And the second part of it is um, that buyout, as large as it may be, as exorbitant as it may be, was earned because Chris Collins was brought in to do one thing, and that was make the tournament, and he did that. And then he won a tournament game, and he got himself that buyout. So to me, there needs to be a almost like a divorcing of we can't get rid of him because of this buyout and more like maybe that's money that he earned and maybe we should be thinking about the fact that like hey because of the power of negotiation and business being business he earned that money and now we need to pay it to him and have show him the door because it's like those those like it's just like the idea that because of a number that will probably still be high, but not as high next season. We would all just sit through another season of this. Just doesn't it doesn't jive for me. Well, I I don't think it's fair to characterize it like the entire fan base is in the, like the Collins should be gone space. I think a lot of people are, and a lot of people are having this discussion that we've been having like around like, is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? Um, I think I think there's a sizable set of folk too that are, I would say, rightly anxious about Collins leaving. Starting over again, you know, you're going to lose some of these guys. Collins has been a really good recruiter. It happened when what, what, it happened when Carmody left. Yeah. What what is what does that look like? And now the the, the counter argument there is Greg and the facilities and the commitment to 
improving um, this program that, you know, th- this is this is not like when Kevin O'Neill left or um, or when really any other coach has left Northwestern, even when Carmody left, like like the, the facilities were a joke. And now Northwestern is, you know, toward the front of the pack nationally in that in that space. So, like, that goes a long way um, with players, with recruits, with the ability to build a program back up. But I think there is a real and legitimate fear of like when Carmody left, it felt like we were so close and we found kind of the perfect manifestation of the local dude with the Duke pedigree to come in and get us over the hump. And he did. And now I don't know, I guess there's this like, I don't know that I believe it because I think, I think the stuff that needs to change, i.e. like Collins being too loyal to players that are either, not doing things the right way or just aren't performing well. It's like his, um, his kind of over-reliance on just like the talent as opposed to an offensive strategy. Like, I don't, I don't think those things change overnight. I don't know what kind of wake up call that, that Greg can give him other than that, that he hasn't, that probably hasn't already been said, um, that is going to get him to change some of his real base, like traits as a coach. I just don't think that that's going to change, but I, I think there's a real fear amongst some corners of the fan base that, Pulling the pulling the plug now is is not just too too early. Like it's not it's not that it's too early. It's not that he hasn't had enough chances, but it's like that perspective combined with the buyout seems short sighted. And I I don't know. I don't I don't necessarily agree with that, but like I can see the logic. I think the biggest wild card in all this is Derek Gregg. Yeah, like, I agree. And we, we don't know. Exactly. We don't know. Like, if it's Jim Phillips who's the AD, Collins ain't going anywhere for a while. Like, we, we know that. Like, we, we saw Jim Phillips's, you know, how, how he worked, how, what his MO was with, you know, firing coaches. He really didn't do it very often. And well, we just we just don't know the what, ir- Greg, what Greg will do in this situation. The irony there, though, is that one of the first things Phillips did do was let Bill Carmody go, right? And hire Chris Collins, right? And, um, but, but it's totally true. We don't, you're honestly right. Like everyone is speculating and no one has any idea. The one thing I also would, I don't know, it's say push back against, but I guess I just feel the need to highlight, right? Is the current state of Northwestern coaching in general right now, right? Like Northwestern right now has two coaches, Kelly Monty Hiller and Pat Fitzgerald, who are bona fide legends in the sport, right? And then we also have a defending national champion in Tracy Fuchs, right? We have Kate Drohan. Um, we have Joe McEwen, two incredibly highly respected coaches who are both big-time winners, right? You've got um, fencing, where, I mean, like Laurie Schiller and his thousand wins aren't there anymore, but Moss, the, you know, the current coach is, I believe, the defending, like, conference coach of the year, Right. There is a stack of high-profile major coaching talent at Northwestern right now. And it doesn't happen to reside in men's basketball right now, but the, the it's not like literally every coach at Northwestern is this titan, but Northwestern is a coaching hotbed right now, stacked with excellence. And I think the idea that, like, I would say the idea that Northwestern or that the Northwestern athletic department has a track record of just like 
being cool with, you know, with, you know, with extended losing or something like that is a bit of a, is a bit of a misnomer because Northwestern, you know, through great hiring and a great culture has built, you know, has a roster of coaches who are just extended winners. And so I think there's, there's that piece of it too, but yeah. I, I also want to I also want to push back on the idea that I, I've seen out there that well who are you going to get to replace him, right? North, like this, I I'm not worried about that because Northwestern is a Big Ten job with amazing facilities. Like you're going to get a good coach. You know, if you want to go get like one of the top mid major coaches uh, and and bring him in, people want to come coach in the Big Ten. You know, the Big Ten basketball is, like, some of the best basketball in the country. Like, it, you want that challenge. You want that opportunity. Coaches are going to want to come here. It's not like – and it's not like it was back in the day. You know, Welsh Ryan Arena is gorgeous. You know, they have the facilities. The, the athletic department is putting money into the program. So it's not like there's some backwater, you know, trodden down, terrible state of the program. Like, right. the program's in good shape. So – Coaches will want to come here. And to your point earlier, right, about the wild card being Derek Gregg, right? Um, like, Dr. Gregg has, if he chooses to take it now, the chance to do the full court sell of Northwestern, right? And to pitch that program to the top coaches and then choose amongst those top coaches, right? And it's it's a massive opportunity. And again, it's like there's there's that wild card factor, but I mean it's it's a chance for for him to just really show out and and you know make his stamp on this athletic department. So but again, it's like this is all it's all speculation. Again, I like I said, I am in the minority that believing that there will be a change and I know that. But I I certainly um feel that and like Scuzz said, it's it's probably not all of the all of the fan base, all, although even you know some of the people, as Gus said, maybe as worried about change as anything. But I would say you know it's 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 pretty clearly time, and we'll see how these last four games go. But you well, know. I, I, something to definitely pay attention to is that if the team is as low energy and unenthusiastic and uninspired the rest of these the way as they were last night against Minnesota like 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 you got right. you got to pull the plug cuz that like that then then you're talking about i mean there's going to be an exodus either way right um and i think you know we've had a lot of conversations over the last 2 years uh on our on our podcast about the system Collins runs and the lack of development of certain guys and i mean i think like you know, you you don't have to look much for you don't have to look very far to see, um, you know the the I don't know the the road to get here has been kind of littered with castoffs and um, that I mean that that would that would I think trump a lot of those concerns that people have about having to start over because we might be starting over next year regardless whether right. Collins is back or not yeah. right and I think the. The other piece too, I mean, there's been a lot of talk and not not wrong, like it's rightfully so, and because you mentioned it earlier about Northwestern playing tight games against good teams only to come up short for various reasons, right? Well, the flip side of it is Northwestern's one of the five worst teams in the Big Ten right now, and Northwestern has a two and three record against all the other teams in that bottom five. And 
yes, Northwestern still has three games against very bad teams, uh, but two of those teams have beaten Northwestern this season, Penn State and Minnesota. And I think, you know, right, like you said, like it's, it's the Cats have played great basketball against some great teams this year, but they've at the same time shown that they can play down to the level of these teams. And, and yeah, if Scuzz is right, if we continue to see that, then that may be the death knell in and of itself. Tuesday night at home against Nebraska, Friday night at Penn State, and then uh, next Monday at Iowa, and then March 6th, the Sunday, against Minnesota for senior night. Those are the last four games on the schedule, and then into the Big Ten tournament down in Indianapolis this year. So, um, e- ESPN tells me that tickets are as low as $2 for Tuesday's game. Oh, Wow. <laughs> You're gonna you're gonna be at that game, aren't you, Scus? Well, I don't, I don't Maybe. know. Maybe. I was I was originally thinking about going to that game, and um, I have to leave Cincinnati a little later than I was originally expecting. So ah. I, I don't I don't know. We'll have, we'll we'll have to see. I, there's a part of me that would like to go. There's a part of me that that doesn't that really doesn't want to stomach it. Um, I guess I'll, I'll I'll say this. Like I'll put it to the listeners. If 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 there's anybody out there that's planning to go to this game, like. I'll go. I'll be your Huckleberry. I'll show up. I'll hang out. I'll chat. I'll chat hoops. Um, but in in lieu of much um, much interest, I don't I don't really want to go hang out by myself at at a at a sad, depressed Welsh Ryan to watch this team. You know, play play rough against Nebraska. So instead, you're going to hang out on Thursday with a bunch of people, including John and I, who really want to be there and are really excited to see women's basketball, to see you know, Veronica Burton's final home game. Um, and if you want to come join us, hit us up on Twitter at Westlaw Pirates. Let us know. Um, you know, like I said, we got a group, uh, group ticket thing going on. Uh, we'll, you know, hook you up with, with what we've got. And if you're just kind of there and you want to find us, we're, we're going to be there. We'll be wearing our Westlaw Pirates t-shirts and, uh, you know, come find us, come say hi. We'd love to talk to any and all of you. Uh, who are going to be who can make it to the game on Thursday night? Definitely very very excited for that. Hell's yes. Uh, so with that, we'll go ahead and leave it there for tonight. Uh, head to our website westlawpirates.com where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Westlaw Pirates, and email the show westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. Look for us in the west side of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. John Lacombe and Eric Skazba, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.